Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It's my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Jay James. Jay James is a, a radio reporter himself, but he is also the assistant director of the Bridge Ministry. And you can go to bridgeministry.info for the website, and we'll be talking about that work. Jay James, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. But uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here, David. I appreciate the invitation. It's great to have you on. You're here with me in Charlottesville, Virginia, and the Bridge Ministry is uh, is based down in Buckingham, a little south of here. Is that right? Well, it, yes. So we have a Charlottesville end of the operation and a Buckingham end of the operation that we'll talk about, obviously. But we have a 17-acre campus, which is for treatment of addiction issues, addictive behavior, drug and alcohol addiction. Um, life-controlling issues, as we refer to it. Um, our program is for men only, um, and individuals, they can even be overcoming incarceration and, and, and some of those things. So uh, the Buckingham end of our operation is a 17.5-acre facility um, that provides the environment that we can administer treatment to uh, the individuals we serve. Yeah, well, this is what attracted me. I, I'm not uh, I'm not religious. I'm an atheist calling up uh, to talk about a, a ministry. But the reason is that I love that you are providing an alternative to jail uh, or prison for people. How how are you able to do that? Well, it's interesting. So it started about 25 years ago with our founder and executive director, William Washington. And uh, he was facing 17 years uh, in jail. And um, after a brief stint and dealing with his own uh, addictive issues, um, once uh, he overcame those, he then started uh, this program about 25 years ago. And so what, we, what he was able to do, this program, David, was established uh, with the cooperation of um, Judge Jay Sweat, who was a circuit court judge in Charlottesville at the time. Uh, judge Petros was also uh, involved in it, and many other community members who came together with the concern about helping men overcome addiction and overcome issues of incarceration uh, and uh, tied to it. So that's where it kind of began. It began with a, a collective effort, a community effort, um, to see people have a chance to better their lives. And um, from that beginning, over the last 25 years, thousands of men have been served, and um, seven out of every ten go on to lead successful lives where they don't have to go back into the system. There's no recidivism. They become husbands and fathers and, and lead productive lives. So um, that's how we're able to do it, by establishing relationships with the court, with Commonwealth attorneys, with defense attorneys, so that everybody's on the same page banding together um, in order to have this collective mission to see people have a chance for a better life. And, and, and so some people come to you from a court uh, as an alternative sentence, and, and other people uh, sign up voluntarily uh, apart from any, any legal issues? Yeah, absolutely. So we've had the opportunity to work with people from, and this is one of the things we love, David. We love the diversity um, that we have experienced. So we've been very blessed with a diverse experience here in that people from every background. We work with people from South Boston, Martinsville, you know, living in the mountains, very rural area, to people who have come from Richmond or who 
come from Northern Virginia, diverse racial economic backgrounds, diverse religious backgrounds that they have had, uh, diverse experiences, all these different things to come to a place of understanding um, and get the help that they need. So people, yes, can check themselves in, um, but we do deal very closely with the system that uh, we can be an alternative. And a lot of times, David, it's, it's for the individual that we don't accept violent offenders and we can't, uh, un- by our bylaws and by our jurisdiction, we cannot accept sexual offenders. So the individuals we have are more so a danger to themselves than anybody else. And, you know, you'll see multiple probation violations, a consistent pattern of, of going back into the same cycle, bringing a lot of stress and and pain uh, on their family. And our job is to, is to step in there with them uh, and provide the help that we can um, and teach them um, and give them a structure that can help them overcome these patterns of, in their life to change their behavior and ultimately uh, deal with that addiction that has been such a burden. It, it sounds like, you know, helping people just as they're getting into the, the cycle of recidivism in the, in the incarceration system, uh, but zero recidivism sounds incredible. Um, I mean, is, is, do you mean that literally? I do. And now when I say zero, I have to provide the caveat. For on the low end of our success rate, seven out of ten. On the high end, Eight out of ten, so it fluctuates. You're always going to have that fourteen to thirty percent of people who don't get it, who aren't successful. But we like to think about the seventy to eighty-six percent that are, okay. and it just depends. It depends on that individual circumstance. If I were to tell you, David, one hundred percent of the time, everybody that came through here, I mean, there's no program that can accomplish that. Um, so, what we like to to point to is the majority of the individuals that we that we work with because quite frankly David there are some that just don't want to change and and once you get to that point there's not much else you can do but if you are an individual what we have found David is that there are a lot of individuals who really want to change they just don't know how to and so you'll see that cycle of well I tried it I was I was clean for 90 days or 6 months or maybe I even made it a year but they didn't have the tools to help it to be sustainable, and that's where we come in. Yeah, still a better rate than than jail or than prison. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say, and boy, there's so many uh, uh, directions we could go with that conversation, but um, our goal is, you know, while there are, because we do work closely with the Department of Corrections and the, the jail system because they can help us identify candidates, um, I will say, and there are jails that have a therapeutic community in them and that do the best they can, but psychologically, David, as you might anticipate, there's something about you know, when you're locked up and your freedom is taken from you and you can have all the programming in the world, but there's still those hurdles that come from incarceration. Um, and those are hurdles that we don't have. You know, We're not a facility with correctional officers. We're, we don't have high fences and barbed wire, and we provide an environment of freedom where an individual has to make a choice to pursue um, their recovery as opposed to being forced to do it. And that's why, David, we believe it's sustainable, because they've chosen it. They just needed the tools to do it, but they've actually chosen that they want a better life as opposed to at times which you'll find 
in incarceration, you're there, obviously, because of what you have done, and and you are in a system where that choice is pretty much taken away from you. You've got to be in there for that amount of time, and that's the bottom line. Yeah. And now these are some of the idiosyncrasies that we begin to deal with, you know, to help people mentally to deal with these challenges. Maybe you do have correctional officers. You're actually correcting something, unlike uh, you know prison guards uh, misnamed correctional officers. But uh, it, it seems like when it comes to addiction, a lot of people still imagine that the problem with addiction is simply contact with with drugs or or alcohol, whereas the problem in most cases really is is the lack of a of a fulfilling life isn't it that that people turn to addiction for for lack of something else yeah david absolutely um you know what we have seen in our experience is we believe more so in and our executive director would say this to you more strongly but we believe in addictive behavior more so than chemical addiction right and let me give you a perfect example so you go to a detox center for 90 days. You get clean from cocaine. You get out. You don't change your environment. You don't change the people that you've been around. And all of a sudden, because you don't want to be caught in cocaine addiction again, you picked up methamphetamine or yeah. you picked up marijuana or you picked up, you know, any number of things. It's the behavior. It's the addictive behavior and the and the that behavior that lives on those deeper issues that you are alluding to, a lack of fulfillment a lack of purpose, you know, yeah. a lack of vision for your life. And and what we also have to understand, as I'm sure you well do, there are factors that contribute to that. So that's one of the reasons, David, that, you know, we don't, you know, people aren't judged when they come into our program. Whatever the circumstances might be, they are the circumstances. We accept you for what the circumstances are, and then we deal with that accordingly. And I think, unfortunately, times people can feel as if they are they are under scrutiny or under um, some type of some type of schism or stigma because they have struggled and battled with these things. But one of the things that we really attempt to do is to is to get to the root of where that pain and where that lack of fulfillment is coming from. And you know, and I, I would say this, being very respectful of, of the point of view you were expressing earlier, but but us as a faith based program, we focus very much on. Um, uh, we are 90% practical, and then we are 10% a, a faith-based program. Now, we believe very strongly in it, but what we do and what we emphasize is we use principles from the faith tra- that, we, that we practice to, to provide, um, we look to it for integrity. Well, we look to it for hope. We look to it for so many things that can be utilized in a person that should they choose to embrace it. And what the other thing I would offer, David, is it's never forced. You know, a person can go through our program and they don't have to embrace the principles that we believe in. They can go through the tenets of our program. Um, but we do offer that as a support to them, should they choose that that's something they'd like to embrace. Yeah, that you offer uh, uh, quite a number of supports, including uh, work training and work opportunities, right? Which can obviously Absolutely. be a big change in somebody's life. Well, for instance, I'll give you an example. So, there's a forest equipment technical training school that we partner with. And we live, you know, we, our facility, David, is in rural Buckingham County. We're, we're on a natural preserve. So we're not in the midst of a city. So one of the big industries in this particular area and around the North Carolina border and things of that nature is logging. 
And we have gentlemen who, who come to us, maybe they have some experience in certain things, maybe they don't, but we partnered with this uh, as just one of the many opportunities that we do offer as a vocational training opportunity. And what we did was we would send some of our students to their technical training so that they learned how to operate heavy machinery. And one of our recent graduates is currently employed with a logging company. And from the connection that we had with that technical training school, that's just one of many options, whether it be, uh, you know, auto mechanic training. We have a paint and auto shop and body shop. Uh, that's the state-of-the-art facility that was built in about 2007. Um, we practice assembly. We have assembly company that we work with it, where we are subcontracted to assemble products for it. Um, obviously, gentlemen can learn painting skills and landscaping skills and construction skills based on different projects that we offer here. So it all works together, David, where you, you are not only getting tools to help you build a better structure in your life so that you can have sustainability of, of change in your life, but also we've got to add to it got to give you some skills you know we got to give you i think one of the biggest challenges that we have in some of our more economically depressed areas like a danville or martinsville or south boston or even areas around our country where there's a lack of employment opportunities there's a lack of opportunity in a number of ways and people end up you'll see the spike in drug offenses because whether they're, it could be any number of things, attempting to distribute those substances to, to gain uh, monetary gain in a very quick fashion, or there's just a lack of opportunity and they result to the wrong things. It could be any number of things. Yeah. But we feel like if you equip them with a skill set, that you can really battle against that temptation. We're speaking with Jay James, who's assistant director of the Bridge Ministry. You can check it out at bridgeministry.info. Um, it, it seems like work training is one thing, but helping people actually find uh, paid employment uh, after they're out has got to be the hardest part. Are, yeah. are you able to have any success with that? Well, we have 100% success with that, um, David, in that. Part of our program, the first 12 months of our program is on our residential facility. <laughs> then the last six months of our program is uh, in a, what's called a transitional house. We call it the intern house. It's, it, some folks might identify with it as a halfway house. And at that point, after you have successfully gone through the first phase of our program, you're then in a phase with the last six months of your 18 months in our program in that you're, you continue to be under our supervision. And we make sure, because of our business connections that we have in our local community, that you have employment. So we'll start you off the right way. We'll help you to make a connection because you're still under our supervision, under our care. So we're going to make sure that you have that opportunity. So we will place you in a job, and then it's up to you to continue to excel in that job based on the training you receive, based on the skills that you have, and begin to gain financial literacy, begin to save money, begin to practice more solid uh, fiscal responsibility for your personal finances so that you can provide for your family while we are there supporting you at the same time, you know, giving you guidance, giving, offering support. You know, the individuals who are in our intern house, they have to pay rent. So they have to manage finances. Now, the rent is not <laughs> what it would be competitively in the area in which they live but at least it's a small way to help them get started. 
Yeah. You know, that, that we're there to be a helping hand so that, and we really are big, David, on small successes. So then they start successfully paying. They start successfully going to work. They start successfully maintaining and sustaining employment. And the next thing you know, there's this confidence that they have. that when they get to that 18th month, they now believe that this, this addiction that they, they had no longer has a power over them. They have a power over it. But how have they gotten there? In a very pragmatic way, in a very systematic way of gaining confidence, gaining skills, gaining tools that they can use um, for the rest of their life. Yeah, it, it sounds wonderful. Uh, the the problem of drugs in this country uh, seems to be in general treated in a very different manner. Uh, and you look at some other countries like Portugal, for example, that have just completely decriminalized drugs and treated it as uh, a health issue and uh, helped people find education and work. It sounds very similar to what you do and, and seen drug use go down rather than up. Do you, do you think there, there's wisdom there, or do you think, you know, the United States has, in general, the right approach? Oh, boy, that's a tough question. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I would, uh, when I look at it, I certainly have seen the system, David, where I've seen individuals who really need treatment. They need, and, and they have received incarceration, and that can be difficult at times, you know. Um... I think it's a very, it's hard for me to do, uh, based on what I have seen, to, to have a blanket policy. Because I look at every person, that's one of the things we do in our program, we look at every individual um, uh, and their individual circumstances. And I think, and I will say, I have seen cases where because the individual and their addiction, they warranted, they had to be stopped. They had to be stopped in some way before they were ready for treatment, and there were times where incarceration was necessary in that, in that time, based on that case, they were engaging in violent behavior related to their drug use. It could be any number of things. But overall, I, have, I am definitely an advocate of um, teaching an individual, treating an individual's uh, addiction and addictive behavior, to giving them skills that can help them change it. When we get into these bigger policy questions, I have to say, you know, I don't want to come on here like a politician and dodge your question. So. <laughs> well, you talk about violent crimes that are related to drug use. Well, those are still crimes, even in right. Portugal, right? I mean, whether yeah. they're related yeah. to drug use or not, I'm talking about the actual drug use itself. Yeah, um, yeah. It, yeah. It, I, I understand what you're saying, and I would lean much more toward um, uh, the treatment aspect of it. Whether it be... Now, here's the other side of it, though, David. If there, if there are times when we've been able to help an individual who was not willing to seek help on his own, he needed the help of the penal system to get to us yeah. because he didn't seek us out. And so the criminalization of his drug act, he received us as an alternative. So I wonder if there, is there a, a middle ground, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, it makes you wonder about that because there are times I've worked with several individuals, if, if, they were not facing incarceration, they would not have considered us, and they became a success story. Um, so, but I would say in general, yeah, it's definitely those are things that are worth looking at, no question. Yeah. Because if you notice in our country, David, we have, we've had this war on drugs, we've had a lot of different things, and yet 
we are seeing uh, an increase in addiction and an increase in drug use in our country. Um, and so these are all very serious things that I'm hopeful and I appreciate the work that you do uh, and, and what I've seen you do in advocating for us to really take a look at these issues. If I've heard anything from you in recent years, no matter what the, what the, uh, the particular issue might be, I've always heard you being a voice that's saying, we need to take a look at this. You know, we've accepted how things have been for so many years. Why don't we take a look at this uh, and look at it based factually and evidence and in an evidentiary manner? Yeah. And, I, and maybe that's applicable for, for drug use in America. I have to think so. Yeah. Um, do you have Do you have other people come to you who are just troubled and unemployed and not addicted, or is it is it all addicts? I would say under ninety eight percent of the time, it's going to be addicts. I think from time to time, we have worked with individuals who, you know, they may have otherwise been homeless, or uh, they just really needed to get their life together. And they're, whether through their family or they have sought us out themselves, they're looking for some type of structure to help them with their life. And they don't have a particular drug addiction. We have definitely worked with individuals uh, that way. Yeah. And um, so, yes, we're open to that and have worked with several individuals who fall in that category. And I can think of one most recently, uh, in a case where it was a young man who just he was very listless and just really had... Uh, no direction, you know, and, and it, his family wasn't sure what to do, and he didn't have a particular drug addiction. You know, he just had a, you know, a lifestyle where uh, it was just going nowhere, and his family sought us out, and we were able to, to give him some help and help him to get, you know, on a path, you know, to try to have a better uh, a better life and really be able to utilize some of the gifts that he had as an individual. I think he had had been overlooked. I think people had had tried to do a lot of things for him and not in, and not empowered him, David. They had enabled him. They had empowered him. And right. I think what we attempted to do was to empower him. It's uh, it, it's just remarkable to me that you can that you can help so many people find jobs because I don't maybe I'm I'm misinformed but that seems to me a, a, a big problem for many people's lives is is finding a, a satisfying uh, and a and a uh, financially supporting uh, job do you have you have some examples on your website of of people who've been through the program in short videos do you want to tell any other uh, stories of, of individuals' experiences? Well, I would love to, and I the one I'd like to start with is myself. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned individuals who may not be addicts, and that would certainly be me. You know, the whole reason that I'm affiliated with this program, David, is because my father was an alcoholic and needed and received treatment here uh, at the Bridge Ministry Program, and you know, one of the things that is a direct byproduct of our services is we work not only with the individual, but you have to begin working with their family, especially if they're going to reintegrate into their family or into society. And so my father, I'll never forget, I was, uh, and I know we don't have a, a great amount of time left, so I'll, I'll try to be as quick as I can. Um, on my father's 50th birthday, he had an alcoholic stroke, and my sister found him dehydrated and near death 
on the floor of his apartment. And the only way she knew he was there, uh, because it was his birthday, she had gone to, she wanted to go visit him. And she called him, and he was so disoriented, he thought he was in the city of Charlottesville when he was in Arlington. And um, thankfully, he lived across the street from a fire station. The fire station broke into his apartment and was able to get him out of his apartment. Um, and then our journey began in 2004 from you know, him suffering brain injury because of the dehydration and the, and the alcoholism, uh, the rehabilitation, the different facilities. And in 2007, uh, he came to the bridge ministry. And when that happened, that's really when I began to become more involved with the organization and see the organization up, up close. And the way I benefited, David, was the way a lot of families do, was through the process of watching my father go through, I began to look at my own life, and I began to see behavior patterns in my life that were destructive. They just weren't obvious to everybody else. And, you know, I think that, that always, to me, rings as an example of what you just asked about, which is, are there people sometimes, you know, sometimes we can seem like we're high-functioning. We can seem like we have it all together. But unemployment, personal tragedy, whatever it might be, are, there's so many deeper issues that are affecting people, and they need help. And sometimes they, 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 they don't want to just sound a trumpet like they need and, and, and tell you what's really going on, and you have to dig a little bit. You've got to care for them. And, and I think my story and my father's story kind of encapsulate, you know, what we're about. We're about, you know, bringing families back together, fathers and sons, husbands and wives, kids and dads, and, you yeah. know, just helping people to turn it around. And uh, that's the story that I always enjoy telling. It seems like a model to me for other parts of the United States and the world, not just Virginia. Are you, uh, are you in touch with other organizations doing similar work? Are there sort of associations or organizations uh, outside of just uh, this part of Virginia? You know, it's interesting you ask that. You know, we have some, we have worked with some folks that are similar programs around the state of Virginia. Nothing really nationally, and from time to time we'll hear about similar programs that are around the country doing different things. I've heard about uh, programs in the uh, Pacific Northwest and I think in the southern part of the United States who have a, a similar philosophy about just empowering people with jobs and teaching them different strategies to deal with addictive behavior. So, yeah. But no real national organization that we would belong to. And I think we're certainly open to, we always love finding like-minded organizations that are doing the same work. Yeah. We've we got just about a minute left, Jay. James, uh, what can people do who want to support this work and volunteer or donate or, or otherwise help out? Well, I appreciate that. You know, the, the, everything is there at our website, bridgeministry.info. That's bridgeministry.info. There's a, a, a donate page. There's a contact page. And more so than the emphasis being on support, and, and we definitely appreciate it and do need it. We have a lot of uh, philanthropic organizations that we reach out to, but our cost per student is 24000 and the majority of our students cannot pay that, and we wouldn't ask them to because they would otherwise be homeless or indigent, and so we absorb that. So um, we are privately funded for the most part. Time to time we seek government assistance, uh, but, but it's rare that we get it. So... We do appreciate folks who would support and want to volunteer. And most importantly, you can go to that website if you have a family member 
uh, that might be in need of our services, we would encourage you to do so. Yeah, well, that's a lower price than prison, and we know who would end up paying for that. So, uh, yeah, that's true, too. Jay James with, with Bridge Ministry. The website is bridgeministry.info. Thanks very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. It's been an honor, David. I appreciate the work that you do, and, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, Please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.